0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Glad that you're here with us today. So, just like you saw in that video, if you are ready to take the next step moving from the rows that we have here into small group environments, then next Sunday we actually have an event coming up. It'll be our first time hosting this event called Group Link. It's an opportunity for you to get connected in our small group environments. So we've got couple, couples groups, we have women's groups, and we're going to be starting men's groups as well. So if you've been coming to Epic any length of time, haven't been able to get connected in one of our small group environments, I encourage you to put next Sunday evening on your calendar, and Tim's going to tell you a little bit more about that during the announcements this morning. But also, if you're new to Epic and you've not checked out one of our our group environments called Starting Point or Next Step, that's really the first two places we encourage everybody to go. In Starting Point, you'll learn the story of God or relearn the story of God and begin to experience community at Epic And then in Next Step, it's an opportunity for you to learn about the tools that we need as we walk in our relationship with God. So if you've not done Starting Point or Next Step, I encourage you to try those out. And we're going to have an information meeting next Sunday after both services for those two environments as well. And again, Tim's going to tell us a little bit more about that this morning in the announcements. Now, if you are new with us Today starts week number two of a 21-day fast that we've been doing together. And so I just want to see, like, how's everybody doing out there who's engaged in our fast? So, like, you still, like, hanging okay? Anybody been, like, a little irritated? All right, a, little, a few claps. You're, you're glad you made it to week number two? Way to go. Anybody, like, found themselves really irritated this week? Like, on edge, Maybe. Yeah, like, like, you know, biting people's heads off when you may not normally do that, just a little on edge. Well, if you're not familiar with the, the biblical principle of fasting, it's this practice of setting aside something, the Bible talks about setting aside food of some sort, in order to focus more on your relationship with God. So during this 21 days together, we've got people that are engaging this fast in all different kinds of ways. So we've got some people that are avoiding desserts. That's a big deal in their world. So they're saying, God, for 21 days, I'm not going to have dessert. Um, There are some saying, you know what, I'm not going to eat meat during this time frame. There are even some that are saying they're not going to have solid food altogether. Some people are on a liquid diet for 21 days And uh, so be praying for for those folks. If they look a little irritated, they have reason to be irritated, okay? Um, And then there are other things that we can do when it comes to fasting. Uh, There are some folks I know that are fasting a behavior. One is fasting anger. Like, put that into your calendar, okay? Like, when I have an opportunity to get angry, I'm not going to. I'm going to choose another thing. And so they're working on that in their life. Someone else told me that they're working on not being negative. So anytime, you know, something arises, they want to say something that's negative, they capture it, pull it back, and instead say something positive. If you want to learn how to be more like Jesus, that's what it's like. It's, it's replacing some of those behaviors with Jesus' behaviors. So that's the concept in, the, in this time of fasting that we're doing together. Now, for the past week, I have been fasting all sweets, So yes, my Reese cups are put away. I don't eat them at all at night. I look at them, but I don't eat them. I've been fasting meat as well and just uh, drinking primarily water. And I got to tell you, I am not a salad kind of guy. And I've eaten more salad this past week than I ever cared to see. I, I think I'm growing ears and a tail. I feel like a bunny. But the idea of fasting, again, is God, I'm willing to set something aside that's significant to me. Because I want to get something even more significant in my relationship with you. So if you've not engaged our fast yet, or if you're new with us, I invite you to join in with us on this fast. You can go to our website at theepicchurch.com. And under our resources tab, you'll find a fasting preparation guide that will help you get prepared for that. Over these next two weeks, if you've not started yet, I invite you to jump in with us and explore what this ancient spiritual discipline is all about. Now, today also starts week number two of our, fat, our series called Not a Fan. So in this series, we're asking the same question every week, and that question is, am I a fan of Jesus or am I a follower of Jesus? So every week you come, you're going to hear me ask that question, and it's for us to really internally ask ourselves, am I a fan of Jesus or am I a follower of Jesus? And like I said last week, they both can sound like good things, but the reality is Jesus isn't interested in fans. He's interested in followers, people who will follow him and interact with the world the way that he interacted with the world. Now, I have to admit to you that for much of my life, I have been a fan of Jesus. You see, my parents had me involved in church since before I was born, before I was born and my mom was carrying me around. Before I could even remember, my, my folks had me in church. So I was hearing about God from a very young age. And at a young age, my mom and dad explained that Jesus, God in the flesh, died on the cross so I could live forever. And at a young age, I thought that was a really cool thing. I said, wow, Jesus would do that for me. So at a young age, I gave my heart to Jesus and decided to become a follower of his And began a journey of following Jesus and learning what it meant to to live like Jesus. In middle school, my faith continued to grow, and I started getting bolder about my faith. And so I had this really cool cross necklace I I would wear, and I was really proud of that. And I had Jesus um, stickers I would put on my surfboard, and that was kind of cool. It was kind of my evangelism in that moment. And then I would wear Jesus T-shirts. I don't know if you have any Jesus T-shirts or if you, like, remember any from the 80s. But here's an example of my favorite Jesus T-shirt in the 80s. All right, so this is the one I would wear. The Lord's Gym, you can see there, it's really kind of cool. And it's got Jesus, he's bench pressing the sin of the world. And underneath it, at the bottom, it says, bench press this. And I thought that was so cool, I'd put that on and, you know, strut around as a middle schooler going, yeah, man, oh my God, is so cool. And then I got into high school, and following Jesus got a little bit harder. There were many distractions in high school. There were many things in high school that tried to pull me away from being a follower of of Jesus. In high school, I was uh, known as the Christian guy, and I took some flack for that. And I didn't really enjoy the flack that I took in that realm, in that environment. And so I began in high school to try to figure out how can I manage two worlds? How can I manage a world that I can be kind of cool like the popular Party Kids and where I can still love Jesus? And I don't know if you've ever tried to manage two things like that, but you can't do it. It's not possible. It's like trying to walk down two separate paths at the same time. You can't. And if you try to convince yourself that you can, one day you find out, you know what, I'm on a path I really didn't want to be on. And that's what I found when I was in high school. And apparently my struggles were kind of obvious to my parents. So when I got my first car, you know, that symbol of freedom and independence, my dad put a license plate on the front of my car that was this. So that was the message that my dad put on my car that uh, that I was not all that excited to announce to the world at that time in my life. Now I am a dad and I've got uh, some teenage drivers, and as a dad with teenage drivers, I love that message. I think every teenage driver should have that on their car, whether it's true or not. I would actually love to tattoo it on my kid's forehead so that every morning they get up and look in the mirror and see, "Hey, God is my co-pilot." And then when they go to school, all the kids go, oh, yeah, God's their co-pilot. Don't invite them to the party. They're not going to come. I would love that for my kids. But when I was a teenager driving around, I wasn't excited to announce to my high school campus when I drove on, oh, here comes Trent. And look, he's got God with him. I didn't want anybody really to know that. So one day I was at school and I was having a conversation with some friends and I was leaning up on the front of my car, so like here's my bumper, and I had my foot strategically positioned over that plate, because I really didn't want the guys I was talking to to like read that thing, you know, so, so I had it positioned just perfectly, and we're talking, and then I pulled my foot down, and I ripped it off the front of my bumper. I looked down, and like I am so excited that there is a God. He took this message off the front of my car. Oh, I was so happy. So I took it to my dad and said, Dad, I'm, I'm so sorry, but I accidentally ripped this off the front of my car. So I thought, that's the last I'll see of that plate. A couple of days later, that car is on my plate again, fixed. And I walk out to my car, and I'm going, oh, no. What do I do? Like, like my dad fixed it. He put it back on my car. And I thought, how do I solve this problem? I got this problem. Like, what am I going to do? So I come up with this ingenious idea. Hey, I'll rip it off again accidentally. So again, I did. I like ripped it off. And of course, it won't come off that time when you're not trying to do it. So I'm trying to rip it off with my foot and get it down and step on it a little bit. Bend it a few times so maybe it'll break. And then I can take it to my dad again and he can't fix it. So I did the same thing. to my Dad, oh, I, don't, I can't believe it happened twice. Can you believe it? Dad, here you go. Like I don't know what happened to it, but it looks irreparable. You can't fix it. And so my dad, in all of his fatherly wisdom, said something like, Trent, I'm wondering... If it's the message that you're trying to avoid. And my dad was right. The reality was I had become a fan of Jesus and not a follower of Jesus. See, I enjoyed the benefits of being around Jesus, but there were many times in high school that Jesus was just cramping my style. There were were times that that I wanted to go do something that the kids at the school were doing, and Jesus didn't want me going. And there was stuff that Jesus wanted me to do that I just didn't want to do. So I, I kind of had this conversation with God. I said, listen, here's the deal. We'll make this arrangement. I will be your biggest fan. I will go to church every Sunday. I'll be active in our youth group. I'll go on mission trips around the world. And, and one summer I went for a month down to Panama. And I, I mean, I'll go serve people in need. I mean, I'll do some great things for you. Maybe I'll even wear one of those Jesus T-shirts again in the appropriate setting, as long as I know who's there. As long as you'll leave me alone about this following thing. Or if you'll let me follow when I want to follow. Like those moments where it's kind of cool and like, you know, I'm at church and, you know, it kind of makes me look like I'm kind of spiritual, got something going on with God and I want to impress somebody. That's cool. Like, I'll follow you then. But in other environments, you just leave me alone about that so that's the arrangement that I came up with God but here's the problem with that arrangement Jesus never asked anyone to join his fan club he didn't come to earth to build a fan club he doesn't want a group of admirers who'll say I'll follow you sometime but not all the time it's not what Jesus is after he's looking for people who will follow him who will live the way he lived who will love the world the way he loved the world. Now, when anybody comes along and says, hey, come follow me, it's important to know a little bit about them. You know, if somebody just kind of walked through the room and said, hey, everybody, come follow me. Like, it'd be good if we knew a little bit about them, where they were going and what they were like before we all got up and decided to follow them. So I want us for just a moment to look at this God who invites us to follow him. And we're going to actually start before the beginning. So today we're going to start in Genesis chapter 1. And I'm going to fly through some verses today, so hang in with me. Genesis chapter 1, in verse 1, these first four words of the Bible are fantastic. It says, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. So before there was a beginning, there was a God. Before anything was created, God existed Before the heavens and the earth were formed, God was here. Before there was a here to be at, God was at it. Before you were ever born, God was here. Before that problem that you're facing or you will face, God was here. Our God had no beginning. Besides Jesus' earthly birthday that we celebrate on December 25th, our God has never celebrated a birthday. He's had no beginning beginning. He's always existed for eternity past. God is. And then the Bible teaches that our God will have no end. He doesn't have an appointment with death like we do. No one's going to gather around one day at his funeral, stand over his gravesite, and talk about all the nice things that he did. No one's going to say, hey, we, we miss him since he's been gone. Our God will never die. He has always lived and will always live. So spend it like an afternoon, this afternoon, like spend an hour trying to figure that out, okay? But my kids and I have that conversation. And sometimes my kids go, dad, like I just can't, I don't get it. Like he never had a birthday. Like I have a birthday and like God never had a birthday. Like he was never born. He never had a start and he'll never had an end. Like one day I know I'm going to die. Like I don't get it. And I go, yeah, I don't get it either. You know, spend it a few moments trying to figure that out and you'll lose your hair. I, I've tried it. Now listen to how Isaiah describes this God, I am. Actually, let me tell you, that's how God interacted or introduced himself one time. In one interaction with a guy named Moses, God said to Moses, I am. He didn't say I was. He didn't say I will be. He said, I am. And Isaiah tells us a little bit about this I am. And the prophet Isaiah said, It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, those are angels, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and two wings they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And they were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundation, and the entire building was filled with smoke. And listen to what Isaiah says. Then I said, It's all over. I'm doomed, for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. So Isaiah, in just a vision, he sees God. He says, It's over. My life is over. I'm not even worthy to look at this God. He's so holy. Then in Revelation chapter one, one of Jesus' closest disciples, a guy by the name of John, said, It was the Lord's day and I was worshiping in the spirit. Suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. And in verse 12, he says, When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was the Son, was someone like the Son of Man. That's a reference to Jesus, the Son of Man. Now, John walked with Jesus, he talked with Jesus, he spent probably almost every day with Jesus for at least three and a half years that we're aware of. John knew who Jesus was, so he knows he is looking at a a Jesus in all of his heavenly glory. So John says, Jesus was wearing a long robe with a gold sash around his chest. His head and his hair were like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. And his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. So John just sees a vision of Jesus in his heavenly glory and drops to the ground like a dead man in front of him. We serve an awesome, powerful, holy, righteous God. The Bible says that each one of us will one day stand before this God and we will look into his holy eyes and we will have a conversation with him about whether we were fans of Jesus or whether we were followers of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil that we have done in this earthly Body So each of us are going to have a moment like John and Isaiah, where we look at this holy, righteous God it 's going to be a powerful moment. now let 's jump back into Genesis chapter one. In the beginning, God, so the God that Isaiah was talking about, the God that John fell down before like a dead man, created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God spoke and he said, let there be light. And there was light. As you read through Genesis chapter one, which I encourage you to do, God spoke and that's what happened. So God said, let this happen. And that's what happened. We serve a God that only needs to speak and universes burst from his mouth. Solar systems are formed. Stars and planets and moons burst into their position. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I read a, a science article where these scientists were saying that our Milky Way, our little spot in our galaxy, our little home, is home to at least 17 billion planets that are similar in size to the Earth. So like, take a moment and get a hold of that. Right? like I can't remember the 9 that were you know that revolve around our sun I guess there's 8 now that Pluto's no longer a planet but 17 billion planets out there one scientist said if you look up on a starry night each star you're looking at almost each one of them has a planetary system so when you walk out at night and you look up at the stars there could potentially be a planetary system going around each one of those stars 17 billion. Now, is that accurate? I'm not sure. I haven't been out to any of these stars to, to confirm it. But our God knows. But when I think about that, and I think about all that we have yet to explore. So God spoke creation into existence, and it hasn't stopped. It keeps on going. God never said, We'll stop here. He spoke, and it kept on going. We serve an amazing God. When I think about the complexities of the universe, I see an infinite number of proofs for God. And I look around, and I constantly see there's another proof, there's another proof, there's another proof for the reality of God. Just take our earth, for example. So our earth just happens to hang in the perfect position away from our sun. Perfect position, at the right angle. Any farther away, we'd freeze. Any closer, we'd all burn up. Hmm, it's fascinating, isn't it? It just seems like someone... Placed the earth right where it needed to be, in a perfect spot. And then, when God got the idea of creating humanity, He said, "You know what? Here's how this is going to work. I'm going to speak, and and all of these uh, systems are going to go into place to keep all of creation alive. So humans are going to survive on this thing called oxygen, and they're going to give off this thing called carbon dioxide. And then plants and trees are going to survive on this thing called carbon dioxide." and give off this thing called oxygen. It's fascinating, isn't it, how God has completely interwoven creation for an interdependence upon each other. We serve a God of great provision and great care and great detail down to the cells in our bodies. Our God is a God of design and detail, and I stand in awe of him as I look at all the complexities of our bodies all the way to the universe. Listen to what Isaiah says again about our creator. In Isaiah 40, he says, who else has held the oceans in his hand? So like get that for a moment, okay? So when that big hurricane comes by that we're all worried is gonna blow away our house, it's just a drop in God's hand. He's got the oceans of the world cupped in his hands. Who else has done that? Who else... Has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? I don't know what happens in your world, but I'm always giving God advice. I mean, like every day I'm telling him, God, I think you should be doing this for me. Like, I think this is how you should work in my life. And God like often goes, I got this, Trent. We're good, I got it, thanks for the input, but, but I got it, everything's under control. Just trust me. Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? No, for all the nations of the world, all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They're nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. Do we serve a God who can pick up the earth like a grain of sand between his fingers. Then listen to John chapter 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, meaning the Word, existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light. To everyone, verse fourteen tells us who the Word is. So the Word became human, and made his home among us. We serve a God who said, "Listen, I'm going to leave the splendor of heaven. I'm going to come down to earth to show you how to follow me." So Jesus is the Word. We looked at in our Christmas series at. His name, Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So Jesus, God in the flesh, created everything, every star in the sky, every freckle that's been placed on your face has been strategically placed by a loving creator. And it's fascinating to watch Jesus as he walked the the planet, as he walked on the earth and spoke with people. He talked as if he were God. And that's the reason he was killed. That's the reason the religious leaders hated him. They had him crucified because he made himself equal with God the Father. Many times in the Bible, Jesus said the same thing that God said to Moses. When when God said to Moses, I am, Jesus echoed that. John 6.51, Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. In John 8.12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. In John 8 58, Jesus said, Hey, get this, before Abraham was even born, I am. And the people around listening to him going, hey, This guy's crazy. Like, Abraham lived 2,000 years before this time frame, and Jesus was in his early 30s. So, what's going on? Is he just crazy? Or might there be a chance that he is the great I am? John ten nine, Jesus said, "I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved." And in John ten eleven, he said, "I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep." John eleven twenty five, Jesus said, "I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying." The God who told Moses, I am, is the same God who said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And Jesus regularly invited people to follow him. He said, hey, why don't you come and follow me? On one occasion, Jesus was walking down the beach, and he saw two brothers, Peter and Andrew. They were fishing. Matthew 4, 19, he just said, hey, guys, why don't you come? Why don't you follow me? I'm not interested in you being uh, a friend of mine on Facebook. I'd rather you not follow me on Twitter. I just want you to follow me, like walk with me, like come. I want to show you some stuff. I want to show you how to transform the world, and I want to use you to do that. Listen to what Romans chapter 8 says about this God that Jesus invites us to follow. In verse 31, it says, what should we say about such wonderful things as these? Some amazing, wonderful things. Happened in Romans chapter seven, Romans chapter eight. I encourage you to read later today. In verse 32, says, since God is for us, so that God who spoke billions of stars into existence, that God who was here before anything was ever created, before there was ever a here to be at, that God, is for you. So no matter what you face, no matter what difficulty you're facing right now or will face, that God is for you. Since God is for us, who can ever be against us? The great I am is on your side. If you're a follower of his, the great I am loves you so much and wants to show you the best possible way for you to live. And the great I am still walks across the shoreline of our lives. And he still says, hey, I'd like you to come follow me. Not just be a fan of mine, but I want you to walk the way that I walk. I want you to interact with the world the way that I'm gonna interact with the world. I want you to go into your school and I want you to be different there. Don't be like anybody else that's there. I want you to be, go and be different, bring the light of Jesus. When you go to work, I don't want you to be just like everybody at work. I want you to be different at work. In your neighborhood, in your family, I want you to be different. I want you to bring the light of Jesus. Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus wants us to bring that light to a world that desperately needs him. So again, the question is, are we gonna take him up on that offer? Are we gonna follow? Are we just gonna be fans that cheer from the sidelines? Now next week, we're going to start uh, three weeks of really digging deeper into what it looks like for us to follow Jesus. What are some of the things that Jesus asks of us as we follow him? And again, Jesus said, listen, before you decide to follow me, count the cost. So for the next few weeks, we're gonna look at what it means to count the cost for, for following Jesus. I invite you to next week, you know, wear something comfortable like stretchy pants um, because I think Jesus is really gonna stretch all of us in what it means to follow him. He's really gonna challenge us to put down our pom-poms and follow him wherever he leads. So you pray with me? Lord, it's always a, a humbling thing to, to look into to scripture and to see, Jesus, what you ask of us. Lord, you still invite people to follow you. You still say, hey, come, why don't you be a follower of mine? Why don't you give your heart to me so that you can spend forever with me? Because each one of us have an appointment with death. One day we're all going to die. Our spirit lives on. And it'll either live on forever with God or forever apart from God. And Jesus said, listen, I want you to be with me that's why I came to earth to die so you can live I mean really live for all of eternity and then God just you know being honest as as a Christ follower there are moments that man we sign up for that because that's fantastic and then we watch Jesus how you lived that out and like the roads that you walked and the people that you served and how you did that how you served the world And we go, wow, I'm not exactly sure I want to follow that close. Maybe I'll just kind of hang on the fringes. Maybe I'll just cheer and be a fan of Jesus and still get the benefits from being around him. But Jesus, you've never asked any of us to be a fan. You've asked all of us to be followers, to be a a part of your your inner circle, to walk where you walk, to, to love the way you love, to interact with people the way that you want us to interact with people, to serve a world in need. That's what you ask of us. So Lord, thank you for the opportunity this morning to stand in awe of you, to see you as the great I am. Lord, I pray that we would continue to be in awe of you as we look at who you really are, who you've you've invited us to follow. Lord, I pray that we would followers of yours and not
1: just fans. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my name is Tim Jones, and I just want to tell you a few announcements that we have for you uh, today. And the first one, I uh, just want to let you know, each week, if you would like to go further uh, with the message, we provide a spiritual growth challenge on our website under the resource tab. And today, we've provided one at the Connection Center if you'd like to check it out. But there's a Bible reading plan on there uh, that continues to go further with the message uh, each week. And there's also questions for you to answer that you can work through on your own or with a group as well. And it's just a really great tool to continue to help you pursue your relationship with God. And then, um, I don't know about some of you, but if you've been parking parking out in the boonies out there, uh, just want to let you know that there are some spots up front here, okay? So uh, when you come in, come check out All the spots that are up here are parked along the fence, as you see, and then if there's no spots there, you can go on out to the boonies, and that's okay. I'm out there, so we can walk together, and that'll be good. Uh, But anyways, uh, check that out as you do that. Uh, Today uh, is a very important day. Uh, Right after the service, we are going to have our information meeting for our uh, mission trips. So, Guatemala, Costa Rica... If you've thought about it, if you haven't thought about it, if you're going to think about it, uh, go to the information meeting today. Uh, It's going to be right after the service, about five minutes after the service. It's going to be right over here on the other side of the curtains in a teacher's lounge. There's an information meeting sign right there. If you have kids, go ahead and get your kids, bring them on over uh, for the meeting. And so that's going to begin right after the service, about five minutes. So please do that. Um, If you haven't filled out an application, please go ahead, go online, go under the info tab and download the application, begin to fill that out. Those are due January 31st. So that's the cutoff date. If you're going to be going on the mission trips with us uh, this year in June and in August. And then, um, as we always talk about, uh, we would love for everyone to give of their times, their talents, and then also of their resources. That's what God asks us to do. So if you call Epic your home, there's two ways that you can give. You can give at the end of each row. There's a giving box or also online at www.theepicchurch.com as well. And then February 2nd, the silver ring thing is coming up, so we would love for you to check out this video. So if you are a middle school or high school student, this is a great event for you to attend. To think through that question, to think through, begin with the end in mind. It's a great thing to consider, especially since relationships are so rampant in our society and so if you're interested in uh, joining them, if you would go to their website, it is uh, silverringthing.com and register for the event. If you're a parent and you'd like to attend the event, they also have a parent session as well that goes on simultaneously and so it's going to be a great time uh, there's food and everything and they're going to have tons of of great music and stuff like that, so come on out to that event on February 2nd that's coming up. If you are interested in volunteering for the event to help out, they are needing some volunteers, so if you work in our um, student ministry or in our kids' areas and you've been cleared to work with children um, and you are interested in kind of coming out and helping with the event, uh, Cody is right back there at our Connection Center. He's in the hat and white shirt. If you would like to help out with the event, they would love to help. have a few more volunteers to help at that as well. And then, as Trent mentioned, uh, Starting Point Next Step is coming up next week. And so, if you uh, are new to Epic and you'd love to jump into those environments, great. Starting Point's 10 weeks. Next Step is 7 weeks. And Starting Point is simply a place where you begin to examine the story of God or re examine it if you've been away from church for a long time. So, we'd love for you to jump in. Uh, if you wouldn't mind signing up online under our Groups tab, check out that environment and check out the description for it. And then let us know, pre register for that event for next week so that uh, next week we'll. We'll tell you a little bit more about it after each service. We'll have an information meeting that you can hear and then also get plugged into a group that will begin shortly after that as well. And then you might be wondering, okay, what is Group Link? Well, it's a dance competition. Um, no, it's not, all right? Trent might dance, but anyways... It's not. So let me tell you what group link is. There is a card on your seat. And on the back of that card, after the come join a group at Epic on January 27th, there is a description of group link on the back. And simply, group link is a place for you to come and jump into a community group. And at that event, we will provide you a way to be able to not give you a group or sign you up for a group. You come and you choose what group that you would like to be a part of. So it's on you, and you get to make that decision. And so there will be tons of people that you will know. There will be tons of volunteers to help you get connected to that. There will be food. Uh, There will also be some funny things that will go on as well. And so it will be a great evening. That is going to take place again next Sunday evening from 6 to 8 p.m., it's at Palm Coast Community Church. There will be directional signs. We're parking at the back side of it. It's a larger parking lot if you've ever been over there, not the front part. It's a really small parking lot. And uh, there's no child care provided, uh, but that's okay. If you are married and one of you can attend, great. One of you come, attend, find a group. If you know somebody who's going, tag team on the child care and say okay let's you know do this thing together and help each other out on that as well and so we would love for you to jump into a community group as Trent mentioned there are men's groups women's groups and then couples groups as well and that will be next week to jump into those Um, if you are new with us and you'd like to find out more at epic um, you can always stop by our connection center there are people there to ask questions uh, to help you find out more about epic and how you can plug into it and everything and then also before you take off today We would love for you to say hi to somebody, connect with someone, and then also don't forget, five minutes after the service, we're going to be beginning those information meetings for the uh, mission trips, so we'd love to see you there as well. So have a great day, and thank you so much for being here.